welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friend Reese, we're going to be reacting to the Chiefs-Broncos game that happened yesterday. But if you didn't see the game, I don't want to spoil it for you. I'm just going to give you some of the key plays that happened give you some stats, and then I'll let you kind of determine what happened in that game. So in that game, Patrick Mahomes had a QBR of 53.4, three sacks, only 200 yards, a touchdown. In the rushing game, after a incredible, incredible rushing game against the Bills, CEH only has 46 yards. Our leading receiver is McCole Hardman. So with that, Reese, if you didn't watch the game, what would you think the score would be after I told you those stats? I would guess that the Chiefs snuck one out over the Broncos like 23 to 22. Oh, also, let me mention things got so bad, got so bad that Patch or that Andy Reid benched Patrick Mahomes for the first time, I think. Chad Henney came in. So what what now, Reese? Oh, man, I'm dropping my score again to uh, a Chiefs loss of 20 to 17. Uh, it was a 43 to 16 blowout. What? what in the world? What if I told you? Just kidding. So we're going to be reacting to this infield in game. The Chiefs emphatic win over the Denver Broncos. Chiefs win their 10th straight game in a row against the Broncos. That's actually kind of sounds pretty ridiculous because the last time that we probably lost was like Peyton Manning's first game then. <laughs> oh, do, do you want some more fun facts? So oh, please lay it on. The Denver Broncos have won a Super Bowl more recently than they've defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. Yikes. <laughs> what? Drew Locke. <laughs> Drew Locke went to senior prom almost as recently as the Denver Broncos have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no. Keep not it to, coming. Keep it coming. Not to get political, but Donald Trump was a reality show TV star more recently than the Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs. These are all <laughs> things that have happened since the Denver Broncos have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Wait, actually, this is actually, I'm actually curious. So Alex Smith actually beat Peyton Manning like more than multiple times then? I don't believe so. I can't attest to that. But the last time they lost, which they should have won, was the first game of the 2015 season when Jamal Charles inexplicably had that fumble six with like 40 seconds to go in the game and they lost it in OT. That's the only time since I moved to Kansas City that I've seen the Chiefs lose to the Broncos. Wow. It's, it's well, pretty great. R.I.P. Broncos, or shall I say the donkeys, as people call them uh, out here in Kansas City. Um, this was a great game, but like I said, not something that we expected at all. Coming from that, that Bills game where our running game was just amazing, um, our passing game was great, and then I give you those stats and like, what the heck? So we're going to break down the game today and kind of go through the highlights and really great highlights. You know, I, I'm actually very happy about this game. There are some question marks that came after this game, but for the most part, I mean, we beat them down 
without Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. This was like such a 49ers box score. It's like, look at these stats. We have 235 total yards and 40 points. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so why don't we get right into it then? So like I said, Patrick Mahomes did not have a very productive game because our defense looked elite. Elite against Drew Luck. Now, albeit against Drew Luck, but still. We had four takeaways in that game, which ties our season high of takeaways. In the first quarter, Honey Badger picked up a fumble, which was pretty dope. Uh, cor- uh, second quarter, Dirty Dan, who's who's been playing well for the past couple of weeks, gets a, a beautiful pick six as a 50-yard run for the touchdown. Quarter uh, quarter three, which is going to be pretty iconic, I think, is a uh, is a flea flick flea flicker fiasco. What oh, happened, like uh, <laughs> Melvin Gordon? I, I mean, I don't think Melvin Gordon has done a flea fi- flicker with Philip Rivers before, so I think that was Melvin Gordon's first flea flicker. He was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I'd like to believe Drew Locke audibled into a flea flicker too, just the way he plays. <laughs> He's like, He's "All like, right, six flea, yard slant, flea Drew. Nah, dog, trust me, flea flicker." <laughs> Melvin turns and he's like, we've never done that before. And I never did that with Philip Rivers either. What the hell? <laughs> so anyway, so, so so Melvin Gordon like throws it like 40 yards above Drew, <laughs> Drew Locke's head. And then Frank Clark grabs it for uh, for the fumble. And then quarter four, uh, emphatic honey badger interception to kind of seal it for us. So Reese. Our, our defense seems to be taking shape, right? We had our most takeaways of the season last uh, yesterday. What stood out to you ab- about our defense, though? And what stood out to you, is that sustainable for the rest of the season going into the playoffs? What didn't stand out to me this time? The hustle overall? The tackling? The knowing where your assignment was? If our defense played at least half this well against the Raiders, we beat them by about 21 points. This was the polar opposite of that awful game we had against the Raiders a few weeks ago. Our defense was playing aggressive. Our defense wasn't missing tackles or just blowing assignments wide open. Our defense was creating turnovers, not just taking them, but creating turnovers. I loved what I saw. As far as where our defense ranks, I think when everything is rolling properly, I think we have a top 10, maybe top 7 defense in the league. We have... We have a lot of talent and a lot of field generals, but I don't think we have like the overall depth at every position that a lot of other great defenses do. Not to mention, our linebackers showed up today, but by and large, our linebackers are a big hole in this defense still. But if they keep playing like this, I say top 10 to top 7. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think some things that I saw today, like you said, was great play by our linebackers. I mean... Anthony Hitchens has been tackling really well this season, which I don't think he was tackling very well last season. Last season, he was always a liability in the defense. It seemed like he could never tackle someone or anyone for that matter, like him, Damian Wilson, Sorensen, Ben Neiman. It just seemed like we couldn't get anybody on the floor, especially in the playoffs 
we definitely could not get people on the floor, which is why we had to come back and win almost all of those games in the playoffs. This year, there seems to be some sort of intensity that is like Frank Clark, that is like Honey Badger, that is like Juan Thornhill already, that Anthony Hitchens is doing, that Damian Wilson is doing, that even Dirty Dan is doing that's kind of solidifying his way back into the starting lineup, which is kind of crazy. And of, and which I love, Willie Gay is now seems to be a starter for this team. It looks like he's taken over Ben Neiman's place. So now we're going to see a lot of Willie Gay. And boy, do we love some Willie Gay on this podcast. Dude, Willie Gay looked really good right out of the gun yesterday. I have, you know, I thought that was a fantastic first series. Lindsey got dropped for a big loss by Willie Gay on second down. And throughout the rest of the game, we were seeing these insane, like, defensive back moves from Willie Gay. He was jumping up and like tipping passes. He was batting passes. He was hitting hard. He was like running everywhere. Willie Gay is an athletic freak who's going to be a real Swiss army knife in that linebacker core if we can get some decent run blocking talent around him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm so happy as to how they are kind of coming together and making it all work because they, they all work together extremely well. They are tackling hard. And look, even though Drew Locke is not a great quarterback, Philip Lindsay is still a great running back. Melvin Gordon is still a great running back as well. They still have very good tight ends. Noah Fant is excellent. And then they have their speedy whatever wide receivers that are, are fine. But it was still a formidable offense that we showed up and really just took to the hole. I mean, and and I haven't even talked about the, the defensive line yet. Tano Passigno, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, even even Colin Sanders had a great tackle. I mean, everything just seemed to be rolling today, and I think it's sustainable as long as they keep the intensity, right? Because we had talked about if our defense can just be average or above average, there is no one in this league that can beat us, right? Every game that we've lost or every game that has been close, the Patriots game, the Chargers game, of course, the Raiders game, we played below average defense. Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. The offense has always been great, but it's always been either awful corners, not good tackling on the linebacking core, not able to get to the quarterback. But the last couple of weeks against a Bills team that was the darling of the NFL before we played them... And Drew Locke, who we we didn't really know exactly what Drew Locke was going to be, right? Drew Locke can be great sometimes, he can't be. This kind of solidified what he looks like now. But going to the game, we didn't know. So two consecutive weeks, we show up, we play with intensity, we tackle incredibly hard. That, to me... I agree with you. I think we're a top seven defense because there's still defenses out there that are playing consistently better, like the Steelers. Titans didn't really show up last game. 49ers played really well last night as well. I mean, they they seem like they're coming back at it. So I think there's still some some elite defenses above us, but I think we're just below elite, just below. I agree with you there. And while you mentioned consistency is key, can I throw this in there before I forget Shout out to Mr. Boom or Bust. Yesterday was Mr. Boom, Dirty Dan Sorensen. Oh my gosh, that guy came to play. I mean, we've talked about this before, how many just like big highlight (laughs) plays he had throughout the playoff run last year. Well, yesterday was like all of that rolled into one. 
I mean, first off, he led the team with nine tackles. He was everywhere. He was in the right place at the right time. He was hitting dudes real hard. He was hitting dudes like somebody like somebody John wicked his dog, you know, and, and he had to like <laughs> give him give him payback for that. Not to mention he obviously had that fifty yard pick six off that bone headed throw by our boy Drew Locke. But let us also not forget the fact that with all respect, wishing you a speedy recovery. He took Philip Lindsay, that wrecking ball, out of a game yeah. with a clean, just like rocking hit. Dan Sorensen, if he could show up like that every third game, I would be so happy. Because he wasn't just like not a liability. He was just Mr. Do-It-All. Big shout out to friend of the podcast, Dan Sorensen. Dirty Dan. Yes, Dirty Dan has been playing great. I think he's going to make his way to the starting lineup for the rest of the season. Because I think before the season, we kind of thought he was going to be this like, you know, second rotation, third rotation guy. But yeah, if he keeps the intensity up, which it looks like they're going to, especially if they're playing teams that aren't very good, it's going to excite the defense, just dominate like they did against the Broncos, even though this is a division game, right? Broncos weren't great to start, you know? So I think going forward, this is an opportunity for the defense to gain their confidence against like next week we play the Jets and then we play the Raiders against the Raiders. Like, you know, our defense just going to like come out and get HGH and shoot up a bunch of steroids. Just kidding. The league, because we know Roger Goodell is a friend of the podcast. Just kidding. I don't think he listens to podcasts at all. He's probably busy doing commissioner stuff. Like sleeping in a pod or getting ready to jump into his escape pod when everybody comes after him. <laughs> so many different pods, but not podcasting. <laughs> Just kidding, Roger Goodell. If you want to come on and talk about the NFL and how... Uh, well, actually, this is this is actually a fun segue. I was about to say, if you want to talk about bad refereeing, we would love to have you on. Although, Reese, I was going to put in a referee segment, but... It was a clean game. I got nothing. I don't know what to do with my hands or my rage, but I got nothing. The refereeing was pretty good. They didn't call any of these big touchdowns back. They really didn't affect the flow of the game. What's going on? Who was this team? And also, to that point, when they don't affect the game, the Chiefs blow out people without us really doing anything. Great observation. Great observation. (laughs) So refs, I hope you look at that game and and it was fine. It was like I said, it was a clean game. There weren't a lot of holdings. There there weren't a lot of false starts. There weren't a lot of ticky tack fouls. It seemed like uh, Trivarius Ward and Brashad Breeland were playing great uh, in cornerbacks and were really challenging Jerry Judy, really uh, challenging Hamler, really challenging Frederick. I thought it was great, and I hope, fingers crossed, it stays that way because that helps our defense, and it and it makes our defense so confident that there's no ticky tack fouls or any like penalties that are just going to ruin a third down or a or a second down for us. What people enjoy watching pure football games played by pure football with no ref ball? What? As Roger Goodell goes for his escape pod, I'll get you next time, gadget. Although he needs Patrick Mahomes because he makes him a lot of money. All right, speaking about making a lot of money. I think the Chiefs are going to be making a lot of money for the next decade. So we have, <laughs> so so we so we have our uh, AFC West. We got Drew Locke, who I think the jury is not out anymore. I think Drew Locke is not a good quarterback. Even before this game, like I said in the beginning, we had talked about Drew Locke had some good games. Uh, Drew Locke's been known to throw the ball. He's a mobile quarterback, right? He's a big guy. He can step into the pocket, but he can also throw like Aaron Rodgers. Right? Those are things that we heard about Drew Locke, which we didn't see 
we didn't see it at all. Like he he was overthrowing passes. He he is very inaccurate and didn't seem to be good when he had to adjust. So we have Drew Locke in Denver. We have Derek Carr in Vegas, which I think we both agree, and I think most Kansas City Chiefs fans agree. Raiders beat us one out of ten times, right? From from here on out, I I don't think we lose again to the Raiders. This Broncos so team we was have, better than that Raiders team for sure. Yeah, well, hot take, but I I agree with you. That I mean, it was a very good defense. Like there there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes only had 200 yards. Um, so we have Vegas, we have the Broncos, and then we have Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Now, even though Justin Herbert is up and coming, the Chargers are still two and four. Like the Chargers still are figuring it out, but they haven't figured it out yet. And Justin Herbert's ceiling is not Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert's ceiling is maybe like a tier below Patrick Mahomes, which then to me makes it pretty easy for us to be beating the Chargers. Maybe they beat us, you know, three out of ten times as opposed to one out of ten times. So we have those three teams in our division. Reese, is Kansas City set up for dominance in this division like Tom Brady was in the AFC East? I don't think so, if only because of the reasons you just listed. You just named two quarterbacks that were better than anything Brady had to go up against in the AFC East for the last 20 years. Justin Herbert, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but that dude's a stone-cold killer right now. I mean, he's 6'5", he's throwing dimes, he's got a howitzer for an arm. I think the biggest thing with him will be if the Chargers decide to get rid of their current coach and find somebody else that could kind of screw up his progress. That's what's going to be difficult for him is, you know, do we stay the course even though we're, what, two and five? Or do we want to get somebody new and try to groom Herbert? Derek Carr, he's still better than anything that Brady had to go against in the AFC East. It's like, what what would you say is Drew uh, Derek Carr's maybe floor level? Mark Sanchez, possibly. But <laughs> That's he's true. That's a good point. But in terms of like you know intangibles, actual skill, coaching, and all that stuff around him, still better than anything Tom Brady had to go against. The only thing we're looking at right now as a quarterback hole, in a true sense, is Drew Locke. And like you mentioned, he's not playing like Superman. What we're seeing are a lot of the tendencies that people said would be good for him. But they're backfiring. You know, he's trying to play Superman ball. He's taking deep shots. He's really feeling himself as Darth Vader. But if we're going to be serious, dude, Drew Locke's got the accuracy of a stormtrooper, man. He can't throw anything deep. He's missing wide open checkdowns and he's getting shook. Yeah, I mean, the the only saving grace for that Broncos offense is their rushing game, right? Philip Lindsay carried the ball nine times, 79 yards. After Philip Lindsay got injured, then Melvin Gore was just pounding the ball, 17 carries for 68 yards. So that's a pretty good running back core, but they could only rush so many times. I mean, you could only give it seven, what was it, 33 carries total for, for Denver. You can only do that so many times you have to throw the ball, and if Drew Locke can't throw the ball, then that's not a good team. And your defenses can't save you in those situations because you're going to have to sling the ball, even though these are good defense, Broncos good defense. Patrick Mahomes is still going to score. He's still going to score, so you have to have someone on the other end to score. And it just seems like these teams are putting weapons or trying to put weapons around their quarterbacks, but their quarterbacks, other than Justin Herbert, are just not good. Like, if if I'm the Broncos, if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking at the next draft. I'm looking at these quarterbacks. I already know uh, Gruden's already looking at another quarterback. Even though Derek Carr's doing everything that he possibly can to keep his job, beating the Chiefs, obviously, it's not going to work if you have these speedy wide receivers, uh, this this really good defense. It's not going to work if you don't have a quarterback. 
That's a really good point, and that just explains a lot of what's going on right now in the division. You know, the person that seems to have it most closely put together for him is Justin Herbert out in Los Angeles, just because he still does have, you know, some skill players around him that can make plays for him, and he doesn't have to do it all himself. Drew Locke's trying to play hero ball. Derek Carr's got a limited ceiling and is afraid to play hero ball. I like what Patrick Mahomes and company can do for the next 10 years, especially if we draft well. I don't think we're looking at a New England Patriots-style dominance, but I think we're looking at being the class of the conference and the team to beat for the next 10 years. So looking ahead, if if you are a... Well, actually, no. If you're not a, a Denver GM, but say you have your ear in, in Denver's office... How many more years of luck do you think that Denver is going to buy into? If I were a wise man, I would give Drew Locke all of next year. Without question, give it to him. Reason being, in his first year, he only had five starts. This year, it's the COVID year. He's been riddled with injuries. The team's been riddled with injuries. It's kind of an asterisk year. Now, knowing John Elway and how anxious he is to find, you know, the next great thing at quarterback, I could see him putting in a replacement for Drew Locke as soon as week four next year if things aren't going the way he wants to. That's the one thing I feel bad for him is that he just really hasn't had any time to step in and have any sort of true quarterback development or grooming. But what's funny is the fact that, like, this is great for us because now we're going to have a generation of Chiefs fans and Broncos fans, more importantly, that grow up knowing the Chiefs as the boogeyman, <laughs> kind of like the Broncos were to the Chiefs back in the 90s, which is funny because John Elway actually only went 18 and 12 against the Chiefs. That's not super dominating. Oh, I didn't know that. It was the important big games where he ripped out our heart. Now kids these days will see John Elway sitting up in the press box and they'll go, wait, who's that guy? He used to play for our team? Was he any good? And the other kid will say, my dad said the only thing he's good for is bringing in a bunch of statue quarterbacks and selling them a piece of crap 2001 Plymouth Prowler. <laughs> Reese always has the great one-liners, but it's true. I mean, people aren't going to – you're right. People are not going to know the Broncos' dominance. They are going to know, knock on wood, that Patrick Mahomes stays safe and healthy, but they're going to know Chiefs' dominance for the next decade what do you think though now that i've kind of steered the vessel off course do you think the broncos are going to stick with drew lock next year or do you think uh his time is limited yeah I, because it if i am the broncos right drew lock is the best quarterback that i've had since peyton manning since this whole qb carousel of like paxton lynch and an osweiler so because brock osweiler <laughs> because like like it's just like it's just like if if drew lock is like in the league for 10 years, I think John Elway is still going to be like, but he has so much potential. And and then we're like, uh, John, he's he's almost 40 now. But but he has so much potential if you watch his if you watch his college tape. There's just so much there. And that's kind of what I see Denver doing for the next 3 years. I think that they still give him some more time because the intangibles that they saw before he came to the league is better than what they're going to see in the uh, draft because in the draft they're probably not going to pick high it's going to be the Jets it's going to be like really really bad teams where Denver's defense kind of keeps them in games so I think they're probably going to be a 500 just under 500 team for most years and that's not going to get them into a good position to draft a quarterback so I think I think John Elway sticks with this plan just because if he has to draft another quarterback, then I think his time in Denver is going to be up. 
So I think he's going to try to make Drew Locke work. He's going to try to help his mechanics, get him to be more accurate. He can throw the deep ball. He just can't throw it to a receiver. In the, like Pretty much every open receiver that I saw in the game, he overthrew, which is like, I mean, I'm sorry. This is the National Football League, and I know we were blitzing a lot, which was great, but you have to throw it to an open receiver. That That's just inexcusable yeah i think for drew lock it's gonna be a learn to crawl before you can walk sort of situation and right now he is easily the fourth best quarterback in this division so what he needs to do is he needs to put Derek carr in his sights and say hey i want to have stats and look better than Derek carr so they say i'm the third best quarterback in this division then he has to put his eyes on herbert and say i want to start playing more consistently and throwing the deep ball like justin herbert so they can say that outside of patrick mahomes I'm the best quarterback in the division. And once he does that, if he does that, (laughs) then he can start saying, I'm going to put that target on Patrick Mahomes because he's playing for the kingdom of my birthright in Lee's summit. (laughs) Yeah, if 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 Drew Locke doesn't do well, he's going to start serving at Summit Grill where his dad owns. And you and I are going to go in there and be like, Drew? He's like, hey, may I take your order? (laughs) Yeah, so long as you don't miss it. Uh, (laughs) You ever heard that restaurant called Lambert's? No. Where's it at? It's, it's, I don't know where the, the, the nearest one is to Kansas City. I, I went to one in Arkansas and like in the south. Their thing is they're the home of the flying rolls. And like literally when rolls come out of the oven, like your waiters will like you put your hand up and your waiters like throw them to you from like across the uh, across the restaurant. <laughs> Drew Locke would make a killing working there. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Drew Locke. But speaking of Locke, you know, this is what I can honestly see for him. I I still do think there's talent in the guy. But like you said, it's going to be patience, process, and involve some grooming. I could see Drew Locke having a renaissance a la Ryan Tannehill, where the Dolphins didn't realize what they had, shift him off to Tennessee, and now he's having second life. I could see Drew Locke getting traded in some deal for a third-round pick and a box of scraps to some other team. And then there is when he starts finding his footing and starts finding himself. And suddenly it's like, wow, look at this sleeper NFC title game team led by Drew Locke. Yeah, and and, and here's here's the thing. Drew Locke has better intangibles than Ryan Tannehill does. He has better intangibles than like a Nick Foles, even maybe a Mitchell Trubisky. So he does have a high ceiling. It's just he has so much to climb before he hits that ceiling. Like Like he's just on the ladder right now. But he has so much ladder to go to reach his ceiling. So we'll see if he reaches it. But yeah, I mean, if if he's in a chaotic Broncos organization where where uh, John Elway's always looking for the next John Elway, then it's probably not going to work out. So sorry, Drew. One last really good point you just made there. If you were the Chicago Bears, would you trade Mitch Trubisky and or Nick Foles with like a fourth round pick for Drew Locke? Ooh. I think that's I would. Yeah, I also think that's giving up too much honestly for Drew Locke. I think maybe maybe Mitchell and a fourth. I think you keep Nick just in case Drew Locke sucks. But yeah, that I mean that's good because because the Bears still have the like second best defense in in the National Football League. They're still very good and they have some great weapons. I think David Montgomery, I'm not really sure what's going on there in the running back core, but Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver. Anthony Miller is a great wide receiver. Um, Jimmy Graham is is being resurrected right now in, uh, as a tight end. So if you put a Drew Locke in that system, also with Matt Nagy, I mean, Matt Nagy, I don't know why he's not helping Mitchell, but he could help Drew Locke. I, I think that's actually a pretty good trade. That That's a good call. 
Yeah, you put Drew Locke in on the Bears. I think he hits a lot of those throws that Mitch Trubisky's afraid to hit or can't hit. And I think he probably is like a little bit more of a mobile, a little bit more youthful version of Nick Foles, all things considered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, he can definitely be traded. Good luck, Drew Locke. But we're going to move on now to the Chiefs offense. Like I said in the beginning, not the greatest game for the Chiefs, but still a, a blow, which is kind of crazy. So let's let's first talk about the running game because before this, right, Clyde Edwards Alaire comes out and he's the best thing since Barry Sanders against the Bills. In this game, he has a really good first drive, an, an incredible he like he breaks like I, I'm pretty like I'm not even exaggerating. He breaks six tackles to score that touchdown in the beginning. So great run there. But throughout the game, he has eight carries for 46 yards. Le'Veon Bell has six carries for 36 yards, almost making it a 50-50 split. Reese. Is is this a sign for things to come, or was this because of the game script? Like, what what happened? I think it was really interesting that they were trading series. I kind of expected it, like we were talking about, to be like, first down, second down, Le'Veon Bell, or like, first down, second and short, Le'Veon Bell. I kind of liked having the every other series trade off, and I don't think it was quite 50-50. It felt like, I feel like they kind of dialed up a layer more on some of those passing plays. You really never saw Le'Veon Bell drop into coverage or anything, but dude, they both looked good. Clyde was averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Le'Veon Bell was averaging 6.5 yards per carry. It seemed anytime either of them had the ball, they were gashing them for like a seven-yard gain. And I'm like, what is this weird feeling of our run defense not getting torched? I can get used to this. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I have some reservations about it because Clyde had such a great first drive that I was kind of upset that, uh, that Bell came in for the second drive because if Clyde has the hot hand, right? Clyde is, is Michael Jordan. Jordan right now in the Michael Jordan documentary everyone talking about Bell and then Clyde has the famous meme I took that personally and that first drive he took it personally and then Andy goes hey great drive dude one of one of the best broken tackles I've ever seen Bell you're in get in there get in there Bell so I'm just like wait wait, wait. We, we should be riding the hot hand I think especially in the uh in, in the playoffs, when we play the Steelers, when we play the Ravens, when we play the Titans, they all have incredible defensive lines. We need to have the hot hand in, run, in, in the running game because we will win the game if we are running well, right? We already know Patrick Mahomes is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but if our running game shows up, like we will win. So I don't like the drive by drive. I think we should ride the hot hand. Wouldn't you say they were both running well, though, yesterday? So weren't they both kind of the hot hand? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I felt in that second drive, even though Bell had a good first run, like he he, he looked like super sprightly out of the gate. Like he he looked like Pittsburgh Le- Le'Veon Bell on that first carry. He was, okay, where do I go? Where do I go? He's super energized. I loved it. And that you you haven't really seen since like Jamal Charles, honestly. You haven't seen that type of energy because like Kareem Hunt and and CH are even though CH is small, he's a bigger guy. So he like kind of just runs at you where Le'Veon Bell was like hopping and I was like, oh, (laughs) so I I like the different I like the different kind of run plays they can call by switching them out, though, seeing like is the offensive line going to create giant lanes for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to just burst through, make a linebacker miss and then be off running. Or is the like the lane's gonna be more of a premium this day, and we need more patience in the footwork 
of Le'Veon Bell to wait for those lanes to develop. And that's what I saw yesterday. The defense didn't know what to call. Do they stack the box? Do they spread them out? Do they play man? What do they do to stop the run game? And they just didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, I mean, and and also to, to that point, Reese, you're right. This game showed another element of how we can beat you. Now we can beat you with a dual running back system which we've never beat people with before right so we beat houston with a in the pocket patrick mahomes we beat the chargers with an out of the pocket patrick mahomes we beat the ravens with a dual ceh dual patrick mahomes we beat the bills with everything with ceh pretty much primarily and now we beat you with our defense primarily but also this two-headed monster with what you said they don't know what to do i mean defense is going forward even the ravens the steelers the titans like they are going to be adjusting drive by drive not half by half they're going to have to adjust drive by drive now which is great like it was it was a great game i was just a little concerned about that that drive by drive thing but I mean, it was great. I honestly think going forward, too, this might be the picture of what it's going to look like for the rest of CEH's rookie contract. I could really see us going out and getting some sort of complimentary back to him. You know, I know someone used that quote, we're going to see a little bit of thunder and lightning, and I hate that (laughs) because thunder and lightning are kind of equal. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a lot of thunder and lightning, but I think we're going to get some hail to do some damage as well, if you know what I'm saying. We're going to get that back to complement his skills so we don't have to hand it off to him 20 to 25 times a game like an Ezekiel Elliott type because he's a smaller dude, as we've mentioned. We want him to keep more tread on his tires, and right now, that's what we're doing with Bell. We'll probably do with Damian Williams when he's back next year is be like, hey, man, take some of this brunt to take the load off of Clyde. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid are, are in a, such a great position, all of the Patriots, where people are going to want to play for us. So I think it's pretty easy for the next four years of people that want to play for Andy Reid, and we can get guys like Le'Veon Bell who either want to resurrect their career or they're at the end of their career and haven't gotten a title. We can get that second running back pretty easy for the rest of the future as long as you know Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, as long as Andy's still in the offense. But we have the luxury now of being that team that people want to go to now. I mean, we didn't want to... Antonio Brown but if we would have called Antonio and said hey do you want to play for the Chiefs he probably would have said yes over the Bucks. I think so we're we're in a position where you're right we're going to have a two-headed we're going to have a three-headed monster with these veterans that are going to prove themselves which is going to be great now let's talk about something maybe not great probably the probably the most glaring thing that we need to fix that was kind of a surprise Harrison Bucket. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Although uh, this this running joke that I have, I uh, want to share to the fans. Every time that uh, Harrison Butker misses an extra point attempt, the Chiefs are undefeated, which I think is hilarious. I'm just saying the Steelers recently released Colquitt. Can we bring him on for like vet minimum and a graham cracker just to be like PAT holder? <laughs> Wait, they did release Colquitt? Yeah, we should bring him back. I mean, I love Tommy Townsend's big old leg. Seriously, can, can we have one designated spot just for PAT holder? I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great. I mean, especially now, I mean, if it is going to be a, a a liability, if it's going to be a liability in the playoffs, then yeah, we should sign Dustin. Although I think Dustin's going to be mad pissed if Tommy and Dustin are on the same team and Tommy's just like no, no. the like, next Dustin Colquitt or like Dustin Colquitt version two. 
Hear me out. Hear me out. We brought in Le'Veon Bell, so now we have like you know the cool stepbrother thing going on with the running backs. Let's do it with the punters as well. Think of all the weird trick formations we can do. And Chiefs fourth and eighteen, snap the ball to Colquitt. Colquitt is a red punt. Oh, toss it over to Townsend. Townsend punts. <laughs> Andy Wowzer. Breaking news: Andy Reid signs Brett Favre. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Get get well, Harrison Bucker. If you need to go to a therapist, go to a therapist. Everything's going to be okay. You're a great kicker. Okay, what's not great, though, we went 0 for 6 on... Uh, sorry, I put thir- fourth down. We went 0 for 6 on third down yesterday. We were not getting it done on third. What was going on? I mean, I know Broncos defense is great. Like, Bradley Chubb played really well. Yeah, what happened? That was weird. I mean, this has been the thing for most of the season, particularly in the last two weeks. Is just the fact that our offensive line has really improved in regards to run blocking, but is still just like torrid in pass protection. So every third down, you get a third and four, third and five, third and six. They're not selling house, but they're just blitzing enough or bringing enough pressure. They know they can get to Patrick Mahomes and force him to throw really quick. That's what it was last night. I mean, outside of maybe that drop in the fourth quarter to CEH, it wasn't like, you know, Pat was missing throws or people were dropping balls on third down. He had no time to work. And that's what worries me. We saw it in the beginning of the second half, too. Remember when Nick Kaiser was in the game? He, <laughs> he completely whiffed Nick. on his blocking assignment, and Pat got lit up. Yeah. Dude, this is a $500 million man. You cannot afford to have him lit up just on missed assignments. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, and it's definitely going to be a concern because the way that you beat the Chiefs is if you don't blitz, but you get to the quarterback. So they... So they just had their 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 front four and their front four were it was like they were blitzing. So when Patrick Mahomes is going back, all of his receivers are still covered by linebackers and cornerbacks. No one came for the blitz. And that's how you beat Kansas City. If we didn't have a good defensive game, if we would have played below average, we would have a totally different conversation today because you're right. They were getting to the quarterback. So that is an issue that needs to be fixed. It is kind of incredible that we go from Jackal and Hyde, you know, last week to this week with the same group. It's still Kilgore. It's still Nick Allegretti. But we have to rely on these guys currently because it could happen again in the playoffs that we get banged up. That's kind of our 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 M.O. I mean, look at the playoffs last year. We were playing with with two second stringers in the playoffs on our O-line, and luckily it worked, but we can't rely on that game to game going to the playoffs. So, yes, I'm still concerned about that O-line because that is how you beat the Chiefs. And Ravens get Yannick Ngakwe. You put Yannick, Calais Campbell, you get Derek Wolf. They don't need to blitz us if that O-line plays the way that they played against the, uh, against the Broncos yesterday. I haven't seen anyone more afraid of a Raven since Edgar Allan Poe, dude. You give that team way too much credit on defense. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. Are we going to get into this, Reese? Are we getting into this? I think we are going to get into this. All right. Well, this this actually... Yeah, I think we are going to get into this. This actually segues great into um, into our next segment. Okay, so we we already talked about top defenses. Well, actually, let's screw. It. Let's go back to top defenses. Where do you rank the Ravens' defense? And this is important to the Chiefs because we're probably going to play the Ravens again. And I think their defense is elite by my standards, by national standards. I think the Ravens are a top three defense. Where do you put the Ravens? I think the Ravens' defense is right around our defensive level. I mean, in terms of actual playmakers, I think it's fairly even. If we want to go one for one, Chris Jones to Ngakwe, 
Frank Clark to Campbell. You know, we could do that, and they maybe have one more playmaker than we do. The big difference, though, is we have actual, like, field generals and big momentum play guys, which they straight up don't have. You know, Frank Clark's always in there to make a closing clutch move. Dan Sorensen shows up when it matters. Honey Badger is a field general that is raising the play of players like Juan Thornhill. You know, the, the Ravens just have a lot of names and pieces, and they're hoping that that alone is just like throwing spaghetti against the wall, and something's going to wind up sticking. I don't think they're elite. I don't think they're Legion of Boom by any stretch. I don't even think they're last year's 49ers squad. Whoa. All right, I'm going to throw some stats at you. Sorry, Reese. I had to, to, to make my point. So, points scored against them. They were ranked number one in the NFL with 104 points. The next person is the well actually this is kind of stupid the next person is the miami dolphins with 113 but that's still like a score and a half uh, uh, above the ravens so the ravens are doing really well yardage they have just over 2,000 yards which i don't know what that ranks it probably ranks like six five or six but all i'm saying is like they are able to shut down offenses and i know the schedule hasn't been great for the ravens but against Against good teams, except for the Chiefs, they do play pretty well on defense, and that is a great... I think that is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Like Overall, their defense is top three. Their defensive line could be even better than that. I think the Steelers are still better. Steelers are playing great. But, I mean, give me Calais Campbell and Gakwe. Give me Derek Wolf. If those people are on, on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs are the best team of the decade. The Ravens' stats in all categories are just like a Ravens' feathers. Entirely there for fluff. Let's, it's not just an easy schedule they've played so far. They've played half of the NFC East, a historically bad division. Their schedule so far, Cleveland, a team that in two games when not playing powder puffs is outscored 76-12. to 12. The Houston Texans, a team in more turmoil than a Cyclone, Ripping through the Great Plains, the Kansas City Chiefs lit them up. Washington football team, awful, identityless team. Cincinnati Bengals, basement dweller with a rookie quarterback. Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, and the case of zero confidence. These are entirely fluff stats put up by the Ravens. I am not afraid of that defense until I see them slow down an actual good offense or not force a team to completely abandon the run game because Lamar Jackson and the offense have their foot on the gas the entire time. Look, okay, all I'm saying, and I I will concede to you that when they play us, they are not a good defense, right? Patrick Mahomes always exposes them, but I will not concede that their group of talented defensive players are not good. Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell, Matt Judon, Pernell McPhee, Tyler Bowser, Malik Harris, and then of course their their defensive line, which I didn't speak of yet. But no, it's it, it's a good team. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bow down to you. They're a top three defense, and they're probably gonna play really well this year until they play us in the playoffs. They, they've only lost one game to us, right? They haven't lost two. They've lost one game so but, far, but okay, that's because the, schedule. the next the next best team they've played, like I said, is maybe what? The Houston Texans? The fact that I have to figure out who the next best team they've played is. What's the combined re- what's the combined record of the teams they played outside of us? <laughs> Washington's got two wins as of yesterday. Since he has a win, Philly has what? One win and a tie. Cleveland has three wins. Are you kidding All me? Right, okay, okay. 
They've played. We we are going to table this conversation until one, two, three, four, five weeks from now. I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to make a bet right now. I'll make you a deal right now. If they sweep all three of these games, I will buy an Armando is right T-shirt. <laughs> if they go two of three. I still won't admit they're a top three defense. If they go one of three or worse. Or which which three games? Page, so Patriots, Titans, Steelers, is that what you're uh, saying? No, uh, the two Pittsburgh games and the Tennessee okay. game. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I think that they're going to at least go two and one. But yes, if if they go one and, one and two, then you're right. If they do any better, then I'm right. I don't know why we just spent all that time on the Ravens. It kind of makes me want to throw up. Dude, maybe that's why the media does it so much. It's just like intoxicating to like talk about such a polarizing team. I know. I hate it. Ah, okay, so going forward, we know what the Chiefs are now, right? We're, we're almost halfway into the season, and I think there's really no question on the offense except for offensive line. Who are you afraid of, Reese, going into the playoffs? Give me – well, actually, first, give me your top five NFL teams, and then who worries you going forward? That's what's interesting is that these lists will not necessarily look the same. I think the top five teams in the NFL right now, if I had to do a power rankings, I think Chiefs number one, Steelers number two, despite the loss last night, Seahawks number three, Ravens number four, Titans number five. Now, what teams scare me if we play them in the playoffs? I'm a little bit worried about the San Francisco 49ers because, like I said earlier in the cast, they have this habit of putting up box scores where it's like, we threw four passes and ran the ball 12 times and we scored 36 points. And it's like, what kind of witchcraft <laughs> is this? Not to mention that defense they have is still pretty talented. That line, even without Bosa, is still pretty nasty. That's the kind of team that with how meticulous and how much time their offense consumes could really make it a long day for us if our offensive line can't keep Pat on their feet. So that's the kind of team I'm worried about playing in the in the playoffs. I think we can put up enough points to crack that Steelers defense. I think we can put up enough points to crack that Titans defense. We've proven we can beat the Ravens, although I don't want to play them again because, like I said, they're such a weird team. Seahawks, I'd be happy to get in a shootout with them last night like we saw against the Cardinals. Yeah, great game. Our defense, our defense could make another stop or two that the Cardinals defense is incapable of. So... That's my top five. What about you? Mine's pretty similar. Just a couple of changes. One Chiefs, two Steelers, three Ravens, four Seahawks, and five Green Bay. Green Bay? Oh, yeah. No, I, I actually love love me some Aaron Rodgers this year. Aaron Rodgers is coming out, and he is like, oh, you guys think I'm going off the cliff, Max Kellerman? You think I'm going off the cliff, Matthew Barry? Watch this. Like him and, and Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, I really like the way their offense is, and I think they're another shootout team because their defense is okay, but they're just like the uh, Seahawks. I hope it's an NFC Seahawks Packers because that's going to be like a that's gonna be like a hundred points on the board there because both of them don't have good defenses but yeah it's it's good it's gonna be a shootout for those two so that's my top five I think you bring up a good point with the 49ers because the 49ers when they are healthy right they haven't they've been healthy for like one game there, there's been one game where they've had Garoppolo Kittle Mostert and their defensive line 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at what happened last night where like Cam is healthy, but Cam looked awful. And I agree with you that that they are a threat, but I think the biggest threat to us right now is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to disagree with you and say that I think they have a very good offense. Like Ben Roethlisberger is older, not mobile, but he can still throw and he has some great receivers to throw to. I think that's a very good offense. They also have James Conner, who hasn't been injured this year, right? James Conner's big knock was that he was playing injured last year. I'm sure you're going to come at me, come at me with some strength of schedule stuff and the Tennessee Titans game, but that defensive line, they will come at Patrick Mahomes without blitzing us. If our offensive line is not good, that defensive line is going to make Patrick Mahomes run more than Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire combined. My coffee is getting low, and so are my retorts for reasons why I disagree with you on that one. So I'm just going to let that one slide for now. Well, but know I that think... that bullet sitting in the chamber next time you want to play roulette, bud. Well, we should we should check up, you know, maybe every other week on the Steelers because I think the Steelers going forward is going to take over that Ravens spot for us because we own the Ravens. So I think we should just keep an eye on the Steelers, start watching some of their games, and I just want you to see how that defensive line plays because. It is pretty scary, but we will table it. You're right. We'll table for another day. Let's quickly wrap it up then. We don't need to talk very much about this one. Jets predictions. Go. Oh, man. I don't want to say there's a a sure thing because there are no sure things in the National Football League, I say. Again, knocking on wood. I think the Bills' close game with the Jets was more so about the Bills starting to regress back to the mean versus the Jets actually showing up. You know, I I really hope we go in there and we just feed Bell and have the Le'Veon Bell revenge tour on him. I hope we keep the playbook mostly closed. I'm not afraid of that offense. I'm not afraid of that defense. Let's go out there, guys. Drop a big old 30 bomb on him because I don't see a universe where the Jets score 30 points on us. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't want to eat my own words, but I say it's a blow-up by the first half and Chad Henney is playing in the third quarter. And then Adam Gase gets fired the very next day after a blowout. Le'Veon Bell scores 200 yards. He has a couple touchdowns. Uh, Kaiser has a bounce back game because Kelsey's not going to play very much. And our offensive line is going to look like the best offensive line in the NFL again. This is a great bounce back game for our offensive line. I'd like to believe that like Dr. Strange is just sitting there right now doing his crazy head twitch thing with the time stone. And I go, what did you see, Dr. Strange? And he goes, I looked into 14,605,000 futures where the Chiefs stay healthy and they play the Jets. How many do the Jets win? None. (laughs) We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 